Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Arnold Palmer Invitational. Joining me to break it all down, Craig Ducharme is here. What's up, Craig? What's going on, Rick? Uh, psyched to be here. I can't wait for uh, what you know what Magic Sia has for us tonight. I'm definitely going to be listening closely and hoping and trying my best to contribute uh, to you know maybe get something that that works out. I think, but I think all in all, last week was a pretty good week for us. Um, so it, it played out nicely, hoping to have a great Florida swing. The official fan vote for the one and done is live in the description of this video and podcast. So you can go on to that. You can click, you can make your one and done selection and the consensus will be the fan pick. We've spotted you with a million dollars. You got another $100,000 last week and see Najad also joining me here. You tried to give him Sep Straka. You tried to give him a mill and Sep Straka out of the gate. I think you got mostly vetoed or we abstained from that conversation and they would have really liked that. I tried to lay out the blueprint ironically and this is this is really selfless of me. I didn't take Straka because if the if the audience and the listeners weren't going to have him, I didn't want anybody to have him. So even though I wanted for that to be my pick, I ended up with going uh going with uh, Louis Ustazen, but nonetheless uh, I am excited that they are a part of this. I'm not excited for them to catch me though because they are very close in my rearview mirror. Yes, Kyle Porter providing you a lot of cover right now. But as soon as they pass KP, which quite frankly could happen this week, it's it's you who they're going to have their sights set on. So KP is your, you know, is your protector at the moment. Well, I plan on picking the winner this week, so I should be free and clear of any criticism, derision or anything of the of the sort uh, by next week at this time. Derision. I'm going to Google that. Um, yeah, Greg, that that's a very good word. <laughs> Greg is. Yeah. Uh, Can we oh get an origin, please? I have I have the definition <laughs> and I can't even pronounce the words in the definition. It says contemptuous ridicule, ridicule or mockery. Wow. Derision. OK. See ya. Word of the day. Well, well read, a studied individual. If, if anybody needs me to be their SAT or ACT tutor, you, you let me know. You know how to contact me. Uh, well, fortunately, Jacob, that's well in my rearview mirror. 
Uh, Jacob did pick up on something that Sia said. Sia said, I just plan on picking the winner this week. And Jacob said, I can't believe the whole time I haven't been planning to pick the winner. It's like when Happy Gilmore finally just holes out from, you know, 370 yards. Like, that's a whole lot easier than putting is. I should just do that every time. (laughs) That's That's my new strategy. That's my new strategy from here on out for sure. It's a strategy that probably tends to work. Okay, um, let's talk about this week, and I'm going to share my screen here. It's my website, rickrungood.com. Greg, let's talk about the golf course, Bay Hill. It is a course that we know. It is a course that we love. It has been the host here since a billion years ago. So lots of great data, and it's the second leg, of course, of the Florida Swing. What should we be expecting from the challenge that Bay Hill will pose to the greatest golfers on the earth. It's a it's a tough golf course. It's a big golf course. It has created a lot of great winners. I mean, some of the guys that come to my mind would be Tiger Woods, of course, Rory McIlroy, Bryson DeChambeau, uh, Jason Day back in 2016, I believe it was. So we, we've had uh, many of the world's best prevail here. And the reason you can see right there in your model, Rick, two things that are really important most important on this list are distance and approach the green. Yeah. So you, um, there's a huge advantage from distance. And there's also, which is where it's a little different than what we had last week, where there's there's water everywhere. Here, there's water on a lot of the holes, not everywhere. And, and often it's around the greens more so than off the tee. There are exceptions, of course. Um, so I, I think it, it allows the longer hitters to have a little bit more uh, to, to use that that speed to their advantage a little bit more than we had last week. Um, but but then from there, great long iron players have done very well. So I, I think different than last week and the distance is a little more important than accuracy, but still a, a really tough test. And one other thing I forgot, I almost forgot to add. I've heard that they, uh, these are murmurings from uh, a connection down there. And they didn't overseed with rye this year. So I think you're going to see a golf course that plays a little bit different. I have heard the rough is penal, which again, as we've learned, that that puts a, an even bigger advantage to the longer hitters. And I, I think the golf course is going to play really fast, which should be really fun to watch. Well, I can confirm uh, those murmurs, Greg, those those little rumors, because I read the uh, the GCSAA report, and that was also in there, that they did not proceed yeah. with Rod. So there you go. Confirmed. Uh, we mentioned Bryson DeChambeau, Not going to be here. The defending champion has withdrawn, says he is going to try to make sure he is 100% in health, the hip and the wrist before he gets back out there. That would have been a guy that, if everything was going right, obviously would have fit the model distance and being able to kind of use club head speed through some of that thick rough. But no, Bryson, we've got to go in other directions. Yeah, and it sounds like he's making the prudent move. I mean, anytime you have wrist and hip injuries, I I feel like you should err on the side of resting. With that said, you know, whether Bryson's in this tournament or not, the the, sort of the Bryson model is kind of there, just like you suggested, Rick. And I think just from a DFS standpoint, that's where a lot of people are going to go. They're going to go to bombers. They're going to focus on club head speed, things of that nature, you know, getting it out of this thick rough. I think an interesting pivot here is to kind of go the other direction. We know that ball strikers have been successful here uh, in terms of like maybe the distance is a little shorter. You know, the Lee Westwoods of the world. There's, there's plenty of examples of that Francesco Molinari. I, I think 
it's interesting to pivot that direction this tournament. Not entirely, not with all your lineups, but that's definitely going to be something I'm looking at given who has won this tournament in, in recent history and how that is going to affect the people that are making lineups. I believe we've got five of the top 10 players in the world here, Greg. Are you surprised it's not more? Are you surprised Colin Morikawa's not here? Um, just to, That was the first name that I was like, oh, Colin's, Colin's not playing this week. Xander's not teeing it up. And I believe they're both scheduled to play Valspar, which would be the week after the Players' Championship. It, it's a unique time in the schedule. Uh, Valspar's definitely picked up a little momentum through the years, and uh, it's become a great event. And so basically, with the Florida swing coming right off the West Coast swing, it leaves you with some tough decisions to make. So I understand that from that perspective. But even though there's some missing at the top, there's still a really deep field. I mean, going through this from a DFS perspective, and there are a ton of great options all the way down in the 7K range, uh, in the low end of the 7K range. So it's not the it's not a top-heavy field like we had at Riviera. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a top-heavy and deep. That was just an all-around good field. But um, it, this is a deep field even though it's there, there may be some of the stars missing. So no, but no, all in all, I'm, I'm not surprised. It's a, it, it's an important event. No question. It's a big event. No question. It's just, this is a time of the year where you got to make some decisions. And unfortunately every once in a while, this gets, gets left off your schedule. Fair enough. It's a deep field. It's a good field. Let's jump into it. But first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And we're back. The $10,000 range. John Rahm at the top 11,400. Rory McIlroy, 11,1. Victor Hovland, 10,800. And then Scotty Scheffler sits there at 10,6. The respect for Scotty. Hideki Matsuyama rounds it out at 10,300. Hundred Sia Najad, lots of good players. You can't play them all. Where are we going? This is really tough, uh, and it always is sort of in this range. There's two guys I really like, and because of the value that you're going to see, and Greg really pointed it out just a second ago, the value that you're going to see in that low 7K range, uh, it, you know, assuming it, it comes to fruition in terms of actually being value, I think it allows you to pay up for guys like John Rahm and Roy McIlroy, who happen to be my two favorite in this range. I like them all. I think Hideki Matsuyama is a very close third to those guys in terms of value when you consider price and things of that nature. But I, I like, I, I think, I think Rahm is kind of due. Uh, not that he's in some terrible slump, but I, I definitely think Rom is is due. And I obviously love Rory's history, and I, I also like the way he's been hitting it. So those are my two favorite. I don't mind paying up for them. 
We're, we're going to talk a lot about Rory McIlroy. Greg, when I look at John Rahm, it is a gift and a curse to be the number one player in the world because then we can start to nitpick you for T21s and T10s and things like that. But is there any level of concern for what I'm showing on the screen right now? Four consecutive events in which he's lost strokes around the green for a guy who's a very, very good hands player around the greens, and he's lost two and a half strokes basically in each of his last two weeks on the putting surfaces. You can see the frustration has been mounting. It's small, but are there any concerns about seeing that? And now he goes to Bay Hill for the first time in his career. It's quite interesting. Um, it's not a spread you would expect to see. And I'm noticing with Rom last year, it started last year. It's creeping into this year and it's, it's really ever since the uh, the switch to the Callaway ball. Not that not that that's the the sole problem. It just is an interesting mark where all of a sudden those um, around the green numbers and putting numbers started to suffer. Yet on the other side, his ball striking has actually gotten better. Believe it or not, his iron play especially has Im- has improved over the years. Last year was his best strokes gained approach year on tour so far, and this year it looks even better so far. Yet he has struggled around the greens a little bit. And I'm not, I, I can't necessarily pinpoint on why that is or what that issue is causing, but it's leading to a lot of the frustration. Is it a long term concern? I, I I don't think so. I, I mean, it's it's so hard to nitpick this guy and and say that it, it's a problem, but it's something he's gonna have to solve, which I guess means that it's a problem. Am I worried about it? Do I think he can't solve it? No, I, I think he can solve it. And then you go to, you, you get into the Florida swing and the greens get a little flatter. Uh, it gets a little more benign. And I'm really interested to see how that pans out. So uh, that leads me to the Rory McIlroy conversation. Okay. And I well, think, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. I will just say yeah. this stretch of four consecutive uh, events, losing strokes around the green. That's the first time John Rahm has ever done that in his career. Take what you will with that. Uh, Greg, the Rory McIlroy stuff, uh, he, to, to steal a phrase from Mark, he could roll out of bed and finish top 10 at Bay Hill. Cause that's basically what he's done every single year. Yeah, but it's not just Bay Hill. I mean, he's been doing this for a while since the Northern trust. I mean, everything seemed, I mean, the hero world challenge didn't go great. Make that, make of that what you will, but everything has been great. And here at Bay Hill, this is one of his better spots on, on the PGA tour, which is no surprising, which is no surprise given, uh, given the model we looked at earlier. So when I look at Rory, the thing, which is kind of the opposite of what we saw with John Rahm, I've seen a much improved short game, a much improved putt in. Uh, it's six out of the last seven events. He's gained strokes on the greens. Yeah. Right. And, and it's, it's five in a row. And that doesn't even include all those top 10 finishes that he uh, accumulated in on the DP world tour. So I'm extremely optimistic with Rory McIlroy. And I feel like we have a really big year coming. Um, And, and he's hitting the ball nicely. Uh, His iron play still seems to be a weakness. Uh, although he's a great long iron player, which I think bodes well for him here this week. So I, I am kind of all systems go on Rory and it, you're starting to see the guy that we saw before the COVID break where every yeah. single week he's in contention every single week. He has a chance to win. 
And I, and I, I think with that improvement on the greens, the improved putting, you're going to see him break through and you're going to see him win. And, and this is a, a great venue for him. So I'm extremely excited for Rory and he's definitely my top play in this range. Love Rory. Let me try to quantify this a little bit more, Sia, because Rory McIlroy plays good golf a lot of places. So it's kind of hard to quantify how much better he is here at Bay Hill than other places. So here's what I've done. I looked at what Rory's done at Bay Hill. He's played 28 rounds. He's gaining about 2 point. It's not about. It's exactly 2.41 strokes per round. Okay. There are nine instances since 2008 of a golfer who has played at least 28 rounds and gained at least 2.4 strokes per round. I'll open this up to both of you if you'd like to take any guesses at who those other instances and courses might be, but I'll tell you what they are. So, well, there's definitely Tiger Woods. Um, Oh, no Tiger. No, because it's since 08 and he doesn't have probably enough rounds in a lot of these places to make it it happen. Okay, that's quite interesting. Oh, I'm sorry. uh, it might just be golfers. No, it's not just golfers in this field. It's everybody. Yeah. No okay. tiger. Um, let's see who crushes places. Well, I would say Webb Simpson's one of them. That is close. No, not Webb. I'll tell you Rory's on the list three times. Burger at, uh, Mem- in Memphis. No, let me get you started. Okay. J- John Rahm at Tory Pines. Okay, Two, that makes 2. sense. 2.97, 28 rounds. I'll give you another Rory one. Rory McIlroy, Quail Hollow, 42 rounds, 2.76. There's two at Pebble Beach. Two at Pebble Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's since 2008. Yep. One of them almost won this year. Well, oh. I feel like I'm completely blanking. Yeah, we're struggling I'm right now. Embarrassed. Is one of them is one of them Brant Snedeker anywhere? No. Boy, this is tough. This is not going the way I thought it no. would. Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth, Dustin Johnson at Pebble Beach. Uh I knew I he he popped into my head. I didn't say it. Spieth at Augusta, Spieth at Colonial, Rory at Bay Hill, Rory at Shen, which is the WGC HSBC. And the final one, Charlie Hoffman. 2.4 at TPC San Antonio. So those that's the short list. See long story short. This is like the elite of elite course history. It's not just regular Rory course history. Yeah, no, it's, it's really impressive. And it's interesting the the form isn't great. Although to, to everybody's point about the, the DP world tour, like obviously it's, it's rounding into form, but you know, I, I agree with you, especially with his experience here versus like a John Rahm. I probably do like Rory a little bit better. I, I I do have to say though, everybody in this range is great. Uh, I I particularly like Hideki and Victor Hovland as well. So it's kind of you know six of one, half dozen of the other. But I will agree that Rory McIlroy stands out uh, among this group. Let's talk Hideki real quick because last twenty, last twenty four rounds, he's been one of the better players on the PGA Tour. If you look at what he's done here, Greg, you're gonna see. A couple of really, really bad putting performances, and I want to get your take on this. So I've got Hideki Matsuyama's career loaded in here. His fourth worst putting event ever, API in 2019. His seventh worst ever, API in 2020. And then like his 14th worst ever, API 2015. Now, I think the interesting thing is he's got a T21, 
a T56 and a T33, Greg, which would normally, if you lose six or eight strokes putting in a week, that is a short week. You don't get to play the weekend. I see this almost as like, that's the upside. That's the upside that Hideki can tap into if he's finishing 21st, losing five strokes putting. It, it is upside and it is very, very attractive. And I, I think Hideki has been showing signs of better putting. And he gained strokes here last time he played here on the greens. Uh, and at the same time, he's gained in three out of his last four on the greens. That includes, of course, the Sony Open where he won. So I, I think there is a pile of upside with Hideki Matsuyama. And we get into a faster golf course than we may have seen in the past. And this could really bode well for him, especially if it gets really tough out there and the winning score isn't crazy low. I think his ball striking ability could really provide some nice cover for a weaker, although improving putter. So, I, yeah, I'm all in. And the other thing about Hideki that you love is around the green, he's great. Yeah. So typically those two get lumped together. We think great drivers and great iron players that gets lumped together into great ball strikers. But what he does around the greens is quite good. We saw it at the Masters last year. So, um, you combine all of that and it's, it's hard to, he's in a tough situation price wise, because you got to pivot off of Rory McIlroy. You got to pivot off of John Rahm. I, I think Scheffler and Hovland are easier to pivot off of, but I, I would rank the, I would rank it in this, in this range of Rahm, oh, I'm sorry, McIlroy, Rahm, Matsuyama, and then probably Scheffler and then Hovland would be my, my ranking. Yeah, the the I'm probably in a similar boat. I think Rory and Hideki are a little bit more appealing just from a salary perspective. Sia, as much as I like Victor and Scotty, I think it's going to be harder to get to them based on you could pay a little bit more for Rory McIlroy or you could pay a little bit less for Hideki. Those two are probably the under-owned in the group. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think Hovland and, and Scheffler are are probably the under-owned out of the five. Uh, for whatever it's worth, if you wanted to throw Hideki in with Rory, it leaves you with 7,150. So what that really means is you really got to go down to that 6K range, kind of deep into it, pick a guy you like. Keep in mind, it's 120 players here. So you're going to have more than 50% of the people actually make the cut well over that potentially. So if you can find the right 6K, and I'm not saying you need to stack those two. What I'm saying is you can potentially grab a couple guys in this elite range and then you know throw in a guy that, you know, we'll talk about the 6K range that, that's, let's say, 6,400 or so. And then all of a sudden, you've got some room to work with, with some upside guys that have proven themselves in the low 7K range. The optimal lineup last week had three golfers that were $7,500 or cheaper, except Straka obviously won $7,400. Kurt Kitayama, $6,400 was in the optimal. Chris Kirk rounded out the third guy of the optimal, $7,500. Shane Lowry, Daniel Berger, Gary Woodland were the other three. Okay, Greg, start us off here in this $9,000 range. Very small, very powerful. Sung J.M., Will Zalatoris, Terrell Hatton, Matt Fitzpatrick, Mark Leishman, Adam Scott. I think it is worth noting there is a $500 gap between Sung J and Zalatoris. You don't often see that, but who do we start to pluck out of this range? Well, the interesting thing about Sung Jay, which is why that price gap is so interesting, his his iron play has been on the weaker side. It, it hasn't been great for him. And so it's not because he missed the cut last week, but there's a little bit of a trend. It, I mean, it does seem to be every other week he performs with the irons, but it's not as 
uh, it's not as consistent as we've seen in the past. So I'm willing to uh, to to pay down here, avoid him, and go down to somebody like a Tyrrell Hatton, who to me has again, it's kind of like a Shane Lowry situation last week where you haven't seen a lot of him on the PGA Tour, but he's played well on the DP World Tour. And for Hatton, since the Houston Open where he missed the cut, now we're entering into the the 2020. I guess it's just before the 2022 season. You have a T16 at the DP World Tour Championship. Then um, we'll skip the Hero World Challenge. Tied sixth in Abu Dhabi. The Dubai Desert Classic tied fourth and tied 28th at the Saudi International. I think this is a player who's in really good form. He's a past champion here. He plays tough golf golf courses pretty well. And even aside from his win, you have a, a tied fourth finish. You have a tied 21st, a tied 29th. And he's never missed the cut here. So I, I think Tyrrell Hatton, to me, is extremely appealing at 9,300. Quick, uh, I have so many questions. Uh, th- I love this range. It's it's so fascinating. See, uh, from a DFS perspective, Sung Im was about 23, 21, 23% owed. He was very, very popular. And of course, he misses the cut, which can upset some people I've heard on Twitter. Um, but are you willing to forgive and forget considering the back, uh, back-to-back third-place finishes in 19 and 20 and a 21st in 2021? He's been one of the better fantasy producers at this event in the last four years. Are you willing to go back to Sungjae? And part two, is the industry willing to go back to Sungjae? It's a great question. With what we have in the 9K range and the lower 10K range, I think people will end up coming off of Sungjae. So I think it's going to be his ownership, roster ship is going to be a few percentage points less than people think because of that, because of the Terrell Hattons of the world or or some of these other guys in the, you know, the, let's say Will Zalatoris. I think he's going to be pretty popular. I know Matt Fitzpatrick and maybe Leishman are going to be popular. Then of course you've got Hideki, you know, right up there above Sungjae. So yeah, I think he's probably worth playing. I don't really read too much into last weekend. I mean, his his Thursday was awful. His Friday really wasn't that bad. Overall, he had a couple really bad holes. The approach game does concern me a little bit, but I think if the roster ship is right and it's it's low enough, I think it's it's a pretty good guy to go back to. For the record, if you wanted to make a team of guys that burned you last week, Sung JM is going to headline that team. Aaron Wise, Tommy Fleetwood, Hudson Swafford, Patrick Weed, and Matt Wolf with plenty of money left over. Do I like any of those guys? No. But if you wanted to make wow. a, an ORU serious team, you really burned me last week. You can throw those six guys in a lineup or you can switch one out for Sam Burns, who didn't play last week, but has missed three cuts in a row and missed the cut here last year. So he qualifies for the Burns in more way than one. There you go. That's your all burned team headlined by Sung JM and potentially Sam Burns. Sam crash and burns the last couple of weeks, three straight missed cuts. Um, okay. See, I kind of teed you up there on Sungjae. Is there someone that you like better? Is there someone that you're also interested in this nine K range that we could potentially plug in? Yeah. Will Zalatoris is likely to be a popular guy. I think that's pretty good value at 9,400. Everything is, is rolling for him other than I shouldn't have used that word, right? Other than the putter, everything oh. is really really rolling for him. So, uh, you know, not super accurate off the tee. I don't, I don't know that he's finding a ton of fairways relative to the rest of the guys in, the, in this field. He did finish 10th here last year, striking the ball really well. So Will Zalatoris is one guy. 
I'll bring up two more. I think Fitzpatrick is interesting. I may end up pivoting off of him if he just becomes really popular because he's, you know, he he's going to be good here most likely. I'll tell you, if you're looking at the long irons lately, last 24 rounds, it's not amazing, but those 24 rounds do go back away. So I just want to point that out for anybody that's doing some modeling. The, don't, the last don't, guy, don't, don't move on from Matty Fitzpatrick okay, go, for go. a second. Yeah. Okay, because we got we got to talk about this. Th- this is the guy who's going to win the golf tournament, right? Like this is this is the guy. No, it probably won't. He'll probably finish second. He'll finish second to Rory. But I cannot stop looking at Matty Fitzpatty. Let me give you a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, he's just very good at golf. And when you start to look at the places that he finishes highly, T10 at Phoenix, T6 at Pebble Beach, throw that one out the window. But you go back to last year, T5 at Genesis, uh, T11 at the Workday, T10 at this event, T9 at the Players. I mean, these are like when the strength of field is above average on the PGA Tour, Matt Fitzpatrick on the first page of the leaderboard, very good driver of the golf ball, has only lost strokes off the tee once since the Genesis or twice since the Genesis last year. Each of those times, it's been less than a half a stroke. And oh, by the way, if all of that wasn't enough, uh, he's been awesome here. So I think he's got awesome. three three top tens in a row. Including uh, a second. There you go. So like he he probably won't win, but he's like got to be a lock for the top ten. So let me ask you this, though, because if Matt Fitzpatrick has, let's say, 19 to 20% roster ship and Mark Leishman has 14%. Don't you take Mark Leishman? Because his history is also excellent. And oh, by the way, look at his last five, six, seven tournaments. The metrics speak to me. I mean, this it's not that dissimilar than what you just saw with Matt Fitzpatrick. Leishman's ball striking has been quite good. <sighs> Everything's it's been, been good. quite good. And, Another- and he, he's a great putter. Well, I mean, those guys are very. It's hard to de- it's hard to decipher between those two, Sia. So I think I, I just never get Leishman right. I've never I, gotten I don't, Leishman yeah. right. I've never gotten him right. I don't disagree with that sentiment. I, I typically don't get him right either. But it's just when we're talking so highly about Fitzpatrick, and then one hundred dollars cheaper, and probably like five or six percentage, own, like uh, you know, ownership wise less. It just seems to me that that's a pretty decent pivot because. I don't know that I would have been able to tell the difference between those two guys if you just put the metrics up without the name. The other the other thing, Sia, I think with without the overseed, I, I just feel like I have nothing to back this up. I just feel like Leishman loves a, a fast track. The ball's moving around on the ground. It's flying around out there. We see we think, get a little bit feels like a little more Australian this you week. You think he you think he cuts his greens at home real real tight? <laughs> oh I mean, yeah. I don't they, there's no grass on him. There those things are burning. He's probably got yeah, I, it, it's uh very, very interesting. But I think all three of those guys, I'd throw Hatton into it too, because we have we haven't seen him here, but he's won here. Hatton, Fitzpatrick, and Leishman. It's really hard to make a choice between those three for me. Can I just plug uh, watching us on YouTube? Because, Rick, you are just rifling through all these different <laughs> metrics <Yeah>. and charts <laughs> and rounds. Like, if you're listening to the podcast, great. It's, it's a good podcast, I think. But, like, if you're watching us on YouTube, you're really getting hit, like, 
you know, two times over with a lot of stuff that you can see along with, you know, hearing us. Talk well, about. I like it because it's, you know, we're still early in the week here. So I'm still very much in the research process myself. So when it's like, oh, what about Mark Leishman? I'm like, oh, well, let me just compare him to Fitzpatrick. Like I'm doing this for myself as well. And it just happens to be sharing my screen yeah. that everybody else could see. So it's, it's nice. It does remind me a lot of how I kind of do my research and prepare <laughs> Rif rifling through guys what have they done what have they done recently what have they yeah. done here what have they done recently what have they done here yeah it's, and then, and then you take all these little nuggets and then by wednesday night you've got it all figured out yeah you've got the winning lineup uh if adam scott wears that tan sweater four more days in a row are we gonna have to have an intervention he's trying to help us out it's just it's not a fair fight if he if he dresses well too I appreciate it. I agree. But my goodness, you would think that the guy owns one sweater. <laughs> I, uh, saw, I saw a great, a great tweet. And I, it was just a couple of weeks ago, so I forget who did it, but they had Photoshopped a gray beard. <laughs> I saw it. I yeah, saw it. It was so great. Good. Wearing that sweater. <laughs> it was like day, day 7,654 <laughs> of the tan sweater. I think you need to address him by his proper name, Rick, which of course is uh scotty too hottie no uh what's his name sexy scott there we go thank you i knew Just i was, I knew show I was a little bit of respect it. if you would i was circling it thank you thank you yes uh all right we're gonna drop down to the eight thousand dollar range then we're gonna find some value below that but first we're gonna take a quick break and hear a word from our partners and we're back. $8,000 range. Billy Horschel, Sam Burns, Max Homa, Taylor Gooch, Russell Henley, Jason Kokrak, Paul Casey, Keith Mitchell, Sergio Garcia, and Cameron Tringale. Seal, we'll start here with you. Pretty small tier as well. We've got a couple of guys who played last week. We've got a couple of guys with some decent course history. What are we taking out of the 8,000s? There's a few guys I like. Uh, Taylor Gooch is one of them. I mean, this, this is a guy who lost nine strokes total at the Genesis. I mean, it's pretty alarming, but I just, I'm just going to chalk that up to a bad day. I mean, I think if he didn't play that tournament, he's likely, you know, a few hundred higher, maybe four or 500 higher because he really has been that hot. If you look at him and we're looking at it now, of course, uh, on YouTube, but if you look at him prior to losing all those strokes at the Genesis, I mean, he's been an absolute monster outside of some putting issues here and there. So I do like Taylor Gooch. I think Jason Kokrak is interesting. I don't know how much attention he's going to get. Yeah, great I history like this. here. Yeah, yeah, great history here. Decent recent history. Um, the metrics don't really speak to me too much. It's not like it's not really jumping out to me, but sometimes that's a good thing, right? Because that means it's not jumping out to other people as well. So he's not necessarily going to be super popular. And as you bring that up, uh, let me just mention one other guy. Keith Mitchell is another guy I think uh, has some value. Okay. So a uh, good segue because what I was pulling up is the history at Bay Hill since 2014, because that's where Jason Kokrak really shines. He's gaining a stroke and a half per round over 30 rounds. There is literally no one in the field that has gained that many strokes per round in that many rounds. If you lower the minimum to like 24 rounds, Rory's ahead of him. Stenson's ahead of him. Leishman is ahead of him, but a very, very short list. When you start looking at the last eight years of Bay Hill history, Keith Mitchell is also on that list, but he only has 12 rounds. He's actually 1.7. So Greg, there there's, there's some options here. Um, I actually, like the way Kokrak sets up for this. I like the way Keith Mitchell sets up for this. The guy, like there's a there's an argument to be made that some of the guys that were pretty popular last week should continue to be popular this week. Yes. So Keith Mitchell, I definitely 
have circled. And when I saw that he was in the field this week before pricing came out, I said, I'm definitely going back to the well on Keith Mitchell. Because he, he again, I mean, I think I said the same thing last week. He has made a change in his uh, with his iron play. Um, and it's really starting to pay off. And it's starting to lead to some real consistency. He is... He, he's not performing like a like a popper, like the popper that he used to be these days. And right. so you combine that where he's gone to a more conservative approach, the green strategy that works great in Florida. That will work great at Bay Hill. And he has been across the board a great player really since the RSM Classic. So I love what I've seen out of Keith Mitchell. I can't speak highly enough about him. And I, I think Kokrak and Casey, those three guys, create another interesting little area right there um, between 81 and 8,400 where Kokrak is. Cause I agree with you guys. The other guy who we haven't mentioned who I'm very high on this week is Max Homa. Um, add him into the fray here. This, I mean, this is just such a strong range, but Max Homa has played some nice golf recently. He has a tied 10th and a tied 24th here. Uh, and, and he's coming off of two really strong weeks, both in Phoenix and at the Genesis and, and before a miscut at the farmers, he played nice at the century tournament of champions as well. Um, maybe, maybe that's a, maybe not so much, but he played pretty well. So I'm, I'm really high on Max Homa. I love what he's doing with his ball striking. And I, I think he could be a great play. So all in all, the way I'm kind of foreseeing this lineup getting put together, I think this is a Keith Mitchell situation, but, um, but Jason Kokrak's, going to be hard to pass up so i'm wondering kind of where ownership goes but i I would say those are my three guys in this range homa kokrak and mitchell yeah how do these builds go see because if you get a guy in the 10k range a lot of people like to get someone in the nines but you i guess you could drop down to the eights as your second man in it's i don't know i haven't Obviously, I haven't built a lineup yet. I'm not a psychopath, seeing a shot, but um, <laughs> I, I I assume this is a bit of an unnatural build to go like John Rahm or Rory McIlroy, then to Kokracker Mitchell as the second guy. It feels like a big jump. I agree. I, I think that's going to be a unique way to build for sure. But then that also can keep you out of the in the six k range. There's kind of slim pickings. I think I think the eights. The seven, eights, and nines are loaded. So I, I don't hate that build at all. And in fact, I'm probably probably leaning that way because I'm so high on Rory and and I'm really not too high on the 6K range. Yeah, and, and I do think that the way people are going to build is to take a guy from the 10K and above range and then a 9K range and then figure it out from there. Right. And so I think if you end up skip, to your point, Rick, if you end up skipping that 9K range, like, yeah, you're going to be unique, but, you know, I'm not 100% sure that that the gap is huge between, like, your Terrell Hattons or even your Matt Fitzpatricks of the world and some of these, uh, these up-and-coming guys in the totally agree. that we've talked about. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. I'm going to have to mess yeah, around with, with it, it, see, it seems like that the 8K range and the 9K range, there's a lot of similarities, and, and um, which is attractive. It's attractive to jump down into this range. So, I mean, these guys from the 9K through the 8K, they check a lot of boxes. Recent form, course history, stats. Um, I mean, I mean, there's a there is a lot to choose from in that area. Anything else out of this eight thousand dollar range before I move on? 
Yes. Do I actually look like Cameron Tringale? Because I heard somebody say that on your show. The oh, other day, right? you know what? I think I um, do. It's, it's crazy. It was very, uh, boy, it was a very specific photo of Cameron Tringale, wasn't right. it? Wasn't yeah. it? Was it his PGA Tour photo? I think it's his, his DraftKings photo. Oh, his draft. Oh, I don't have yeah. his DraftKings photo handy because, uh, but he, this is his, uh, this is his, this is his photo on his PGA Tour page. Yeah, so yeah. that's not that's not the photo I'm referring to, yeah, uh, or the, the that, that the listener photo, was referring to. Yeah, I think is is probably close. Kind of looks like me. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I can. If see you it. put a hat on and sunglasses like he wears, I mean, it, if he needs a double. Yours I'm not guy. even sure I'm looking for the ratification on that. I don't know if it's a compliment or not, but when somebody said, I was like, no, I don't look like Cameron Trigal. And then I went to, to DraftKings and looked at his picture and I'm like, all right. Yeah. I guess yeah. I saw that. It was a very specific, uh, yeah, that I'll have to look at that photo in a little bit, but I, I like that. That's awesome. That, that's all your... I have to contribute on, on Trigal. Does anybody like him this week? I'm, uh, yeah. I mean, I, again, unfortunately, I think I he kind that. of left out, but I, 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 I love his game. Yeah, the hair's a lot more similar in that one. See, when he mm-hmm. when he wears the hair up, that that's the key. He can't have right. it flat. Right. The yeah. comb over it, it looks a little maybe you could try the comb over, Zia. Like his PGA tour picture. Mm, don't um, do it. Tringales uh, would be playable. He'd be playable. I just think the guys above him make it a little tough. Yeah, that's I agree with you there. One. Jacob's oh, tried to go I'm split. J- yeah, Jacob was trying to go split screen, and I think he whiffed on it. Was it, a di- but- it was a disaster. <laughs> was way, way too much Cameron Tringale. <laughs> um, all right, seven thousand dollar range. This is a big range here. I'm not going to read them all, but it's Jason Day, Tommy Fleetwood, Gary Woodland, Mav McNeely at the top. It goes down to Sahith is back in the field. Seven thousand dollars. Sebastian Munoz, Thomas Peters. Lee Westwood finished runner up here last year. This was that stretch of golf where Westwood finished runner up back to back weeks. Um, Greg, what are you most excited about in this seven thousand dollar range? I'm I'm quite interested in right in the middle of this range and Chris Kirk. Yeah, uh, Chris Kirk. He came in tied eighth last year. I mean, his last three starts here: tied eighth, tied fifteenth. 13th he missed a cut tied 12th so the record here is great we saw how he performed last week and and before that at the waste management phoenix open it was great last week i don't think he was tidy with the ball striking and that's why you saw a difficult sunday round for him um but but before that the ball striking really has been quite good so i'm i am very high on chris kirk and uh, i'm also kind of interested Although I'm not sure what to do about it in in Christian Bezidenhout, because uh, I'm, I'm looking at him, he's coming off a tied 25th finish last week. He was tied 14th at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro Am, and in his two starts here, he has a seventh and a tied 18th. And I, I don't think he fits the model as well, but he may be a nice way to kind of blend that in a, a guy who could perform and and grind it out on a difficult golf course. Yeah, he's hitting the ball better, and you would not be shocked to see him just f- fire up like five strokes gained with the putter. Like if it came down to it, that would not be a surprise. The Chris Kirk stuff is interesting, and I'm I'm fighting off a sneeze right now, so bear with me. Uh, the Chris Kirk stuff is interesting because if you look at DraftKings points gained, so it's the same with strokes gained. You take the average. If your golfer scores more than that, it's uh, he gains on the field. Uh, in the last four years of guys who have played this event multiple times, Rory McIlroy is number one. Sung JM is number, number two. Chris Kirk 
is number three. He's been awesome here. Keith Mitchell, number four. Luke List, Matt Wallace rounding out that group. So um, there's 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 some good options here. See, it speaks to the depth of this field. Yeah, I, I think the 7K range is really interesting. I think a lot of people are going to live in this range, and it's just a matter of you know whether you, you pick the right guy, obviously. I think Maverick McNeely is really interesting at 7,800. I don't know if we're at a point where Maverick McNeely is just getting overlooked, but if he is, you know, more for me, I guess. Top 10 in strokes gained, par 5, last 24 rounds. That proximity that people are looking at, 200 yards and above, He's excellent. He's inside the top 50 off the tee approach around the green. Now, I know top 50 doesn't sound amazing, but just keep his price in mind at 7,800 and, and all the other things he does well, namely that strokes game par five and in the proximity. So, uh, you know, 14th in putting last 24 rounds. So he, to me, he has the all around game to succeed here. Um, other than that, I think Seamus power is interesting. Speaking of somebody that's sort of out of people's consciousness, I think he's a good course fit here. Um, Certainly rates out well. I agree on Chris Kirk. A couple other guys that I want to point out. Um, EVR, uh, Van Royen, his finishing positions this year, 25th, 20th, 12th, 4th, 39th. I think if I had just said, hey, who do you think this guy is? And I listed the finishing positions. I think you would have probably said a more elite name than EVR. So I think he's the, the metrics don't really jump out at me, but he, he figures out a way to get it done. And on a tough course, yes, it has hazards, but on a tough course, I think EVR can potentially figure out two more names. Sepp Strzok at 7,300. I still think there's value there. And Tom Hoagie at 7,300. That price is just too low. He's gained in ball striking 11 out of the last 12 tournaments. The putter can get hot. Yes, it can get cold. Um, but I, I think 7,300 is great. And then finally, Martin Laird at 7,000. He just rates out so well across the board. Okay. Yeah. So Hoagie is at least a few hundred dollars, if not more mispriced. They should just always attach him to Luke list. They should just live together. Um, mm -hmm. How about Greg Cam Young, who is $7,500, 20th at the Farmers, tough course, tough field, 26th in Phoenix, deep field, runner up at Genesis. Honda should have probably been a bad place for him. 16th there. This has got to be a better place for to unleash the beast, at least by a little bit uh, at Bay Hill than at PGA National, should it not? And he, he's, uh, by the way, joining us on course record tonight uh, on CBS wow. Sports Network. I seem to always pick out these guys. Yeah, um, I promise it's, like it's not planned. But so you want to make sure you check that out. Um, the, the one concern with him, and he's been playing great golf. Um, awesome. Really, awesome. really impressive golf. And he's becoming a, a rising star on the PGA tour and he's probably underpriced. The one thing, the one concern with cam with cam young is um, he's played six out of the last seven. He's played a lot of golf uh, and, and I know he's young and, and he can probably handle it, but that might be one. What's his price again? Uh, 7,500 bucks, man. 7,500 is, is a great little range. Cause I think Luke list is really interesting too. He's played great here. So I, I'm, I, I mean, with Kirk young, who you can definitely play. I mean, that club head speed, that ball speed is phenomenal. And the confidence is phenomenal. Uh, so I, Cam young is definitely an option uh, between he list and Kirk. I probably go. I, 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 it's hard to even rank. It's hard to even rank. I mean, Kirk probably first. Maybe Cam Young, then Luke List. It's close. 
It's yeah. Close. So that that's a that's a good price range right there. The seventy five hundred, I think, could I I think you could play two of them, and it, it'd help. It'd really help your build. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely grab as many of these guys as you want, right? See, I mean, it's just like this is this is the range where you see a lot of optimals have two guys in this price range. Sometimes they have three guys in this price range. It it, it tends to be. Not that the guys from the six thousand can't win, but this is kind of the the last gasp of guys with like legitimate winning upside most weeks, and they have to live here and they're priced in a way where you can get multiple of them. Yeah, and it's really interesting because I'm, I'm as we speak, I'm kind of toying around with lineups, and you can literally live in that seven K range for four out of your six players while grabbing a guy like Roy and Will Zalatoris at the top. I mean. If, if you take Rory and Will Zalatoris just as an example, it leaves you with about 7,400 left. And we we know just from the guys we've talked about that there's guys in anywhere between 7,800 and really 7,000 that you can play somewhat confidently, including guys like Cameron Young and Chris Kirk. So I don't think it's super out of the question that the optimal lineup has a top-tier guy, a 9K guy, skips the 8k range and then has four great 7k guys i don't think i think there's so many different ways to build this week and have confidence mm, okay i like that six thousand dollar range starts with uh, aaron wise sixty nine hundred dollars andrew putnam <laughs> brendan todd carlos ortiz ricky fowler the min price this week let's see john pock in the field paul barjan in the field honor bon lahiri min price Henrik Norlander. Remember when Henrik Norlander was, was going to say all the rage golf is weird, man. Mm-hmm. He was all the rage. Now he's min price. Missed three cuts in a row. I'm, I'm see, not, see I mean, like, look, that is deep red down there. Deep My red. goodness. Yeah. Um, but I, so I got, I got three guys in the six K range. Okay. Uh, that I'm mildly interested in. Again, I don't love this range. Um, but I, I like. I think starting at the bottom, Adam Long at sixty one hundred. He's got two nice starts here. It seems like a good fit for him. There's a reason why he's priced this low. He hasn't played great of late, but he would be on my list. I think Hudson Swafford, to see his point um, of, of the the disappointment, the the burn me last week category. He could be a good option. Uh, we know last week didn't go very well for him. At least Thursday's round. I'm willing to chalk that up to a bad day um, because the ball striking has been great aside from last week. And then the last guy for me was um, a guy who did very well for me last week. And I'm willing to go back to the well. And it's Sam Ryder, uh, who who had a tied ninth last week, tied 26th the week before that, tied 23rd at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Uh, I'm, I'm somewhat interested in him as well, although the you know, his best finish here is a tied 33rd in, in two starts. Those would be the three guys I'm most interested in down here. Yeah, Sam's been good. Three three straight top 26s. Uh, these are all, well, Genesis was obviously deep field. Phoenix was obviously a deep field. So that's that's pretty exciting stuff. He's starting to turn the page a little bit. Sia, the $6,000 range, does it offer you anything worth noting? Yeah, I think there's three guys I like as well. A couple of them we saw a lot of last week. And and frankly, one of them has really been great all around. It's Lee Hodges. If you just look at the last few tournaments, and I know that's a small sample size, but he hasn't exactly been around for a significant period of time. Not only has he appeared to change the putter around because it was pretty bad prior to, I guess, prior to this calendar year, but the ball striking is 
excellent. The around the green game is excellent. I think he is a guy that, you know, I always say it every, every episode that, that is sort of on the rise. And, and I think we're still catching him early if we play him. As long as he doesn't try to putt out of a bunker, right? That yeah. was him who tried to putt out of a bunker, uh, carry goes over the green into the water, which has to be one of the rarest occasions to pull out your putter in a bunker and then have that shot go in the water. It's it, it, uh, <laughs> hysterical. I mean, you don't like laughing at anybody, but that was crazy. And 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 I guess so. That's not what was, what was he thinking? What was he thinking? That was and he didn't even put it out, Greg. He like he like took stands. He chipped it out with his putter. That was, I've was never seen anything like it. Yeah, yeah. I guess the thought is. You see this occasionally at the Open Championship. I mean, honestly, I, the thought is, if I hit a wedge, it's going to go in the water here. So I'm, <laughs> and, that, it, it's just a, a, it's a strange idea. I'll leave it at that. Uh, sorry, yeah. Sia. That does that count as it counts as his strokes gained around the green, right? I was going to say, <laughs> which will, ironically, over the last four rounds. He's not he's not bad around the green. In fact, he's he's actually really good. So I don't really understand what the motivation was to put a putter in his hand. So yeah, I, he's in in that moment. He's not looking at. He's not pulling out RickRungood.com <laughs> on his phone saying, "I'm really good around the greens. I'm, uh, let's go with the wedge." Well, maybe I, he didn't he like that situation. I promise I, you I, that. I would have loved the conversation to hear the conversation to have gotten to that point where they were like, "Just there it is. Jacob has it here. Do, can we play it?" Oh boy. <laughs> That's amazing. He ramped it up. I mean, it bounced two or three times in the bunker, hit the front lit. Oh, goodbye. I think goodbye. he thought it was going to take like a high hop out of the bunker or something. Like he could ramp it up like a, yeah. like a half pipe. No, you know exactly. what? He was, he was deeper in the bunker than I remember there too. Here's like the, far... here's the contact. Yeah. It's that. I wouldn't think. <laughs> hey, singer, we're going to get dinged on that one. So watch how much of a divot he takes here. I oh mean, that's solid oh, contact. Please. Yeah, that's a bizarre, a bizarre <laughs> All right. So the other two guys I like, another guy that was sort of, you know, you know, doing doing really well, just can't seem to get the putter together is Adam Svensson. The ball striking has been great. Yeah, I, I am worried about the putter, but if he puts even uh, – he didn't have to be a zero putter, even, even if he's, you know, loses two strokes instead of 4.6 or, you know, like he did last week. I think if you consider the around the green game and the ball striking, I think Svensson is a really good option. The, he, Rick, did you have something on him? He led the field uh, tee to green last week. I mean, that's amazing. That's so amazing. again, this is a guy that's in you know deep in the six k range. You're looking for upside. You know, is he going to continue? I, I'm not really sure, but but he, it was pretty impressive. And that's not his only impressive tournament as of late. So um, the last guy. So this guy really had a bad weekend. Um, but I think he's a good golfer. He continues to make cuts. Obviously, it's very easy to have a bad weekend at the Honda. So it's not a huge concern of mine. I don't think he's going to be popular at all, particularly because he's in the 6K range. But he has been a somewhat popular guy. Uh, it might sound crazy, and it ain't no lie. Baby, rye, rye, rye. So that's my last guy in the 6K range. Oh, yeah, I, I, I like him too. He's he's interesting. I mean, he seems like a, a good very good fit. Yeah, he's been uh he hasn't been as good recently, but he's been a good ball striker here in this like start of the 2022 season. Uh Svensson, oh no, I said the Svensson nugget. He led the field in strokes gained T to green. Uh, the only other guy that I thought was interesting was Patton Kazire. He's kind of a popper, puts really well on Bermuda. I think he can figure it out, but I do not like the six thousand dollar range. 
Kazire will be featured, Rick, in my all API team. Now, there are eight guys that in their first and last name have either an A, well, have all of an A, P, and an I in their name. Patton Kazire, of course, is one. Matt Fitzpatrick, Thomas Peters, Ian Poulter, Patrick Rogers, Michael Thompson, Taylor Pendrith, and Peter Malnati. So if you want to make an all API team, those are the eight guys you can include. I'm starting to Did, think Sia has too much time on his hands. I, starting I, to? <laughs> yeah. And, and is, by uh, the way, while, while I'm on this subject of having too much time on my hands, Rick, I was listening to your Wednesday show, 300 Yards to Unknown. Somebody asked you, after they mentioned that I look like Cameron Tringale, thank you, I think. Um, they asked you what music you listen to. And speaking of Sync, who I just referenced, for those of you that don't know or pretend not to know, because you all know, let's be honest. You said to the question, what music do you listen to? I don't listen to music. How is that possible? I don't listen to music. I don't. Uh, I have a confession. I don't really listen to music either. Yeah, there I we like go. It. I don't listen to it. I, I hardly ever listen to it. Well, can you hearken back to a day where you did listen to music? And if so, what would be that type of music or that band or singer that you would buy their CD back in the day or down, illegally download their MP3 or whatever it was. I I might have never bought a CD before. Well, I, you're also younger than me. So, I mean. No, I'm just saying like I've never bought, like I just have never been like, let's go, like I'm, I need to listen to this music. I need to get this new album. I need to do whatever. Like, I, I mean, I knew like the wall existed and I could walk into the wall and I could get a CD or a cassette or whatever, but I just never, it has never been a big part of my life music. No, me neither. I, I think, um, well, growing up, my family, my friends' families loved Bruce Springsteen and I still do. Sure. Uh, right. I love, I love the boss. So he's great. My wife loves Taylor Swift. I, I love Taylor Who Swift doesn't? as well. Love, love Taylor Swift. Um, the new stuff is fantastic. So I, I it's so catchy. So I love that. Um, the first CD I ever owned was, this is embarrassing. I mean, you got to, these are back in the Ice of Fire 7-Eleven days. Okay. <laughs> it was, uh, it was the Baja men who let the wow. dog out. Yeah. That was wow. the first CD I ever personally owned. <laughs> and, I love Fleetwood Mac. Uh, one of my favorites. I like um, I like Van Morrison a lot. But again, I, I, it's not. These aren't common. They're they're not common listens for me. What do you listen to in the car, Greg? Uh, I listen to Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio. <laughs> You're a company uh, man. <laughs> it, no, it, I'm not trying to plug it. I, I mean, part of it is doing my job. I got to listen, right? You got to right. be up to date. So I'm working in the car. I also, I like some podcasts. Yeah. That's, you had that's, your thing, Rick. I'm at. Right? Yeah. You, but you go ahead. Go ahead. Sam. No, Greg. So I agree with you. All I listen to in the car is podcasts and, 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 and serious and things of that nature as well. But I'm just saying like when music comes on, like what would you look like? Rick, what would, if something came on, would you, would you ever turn the, the music up? If not, if somebody forced you no, to buy this, this is, band's or or this singer's um, album and you had to listen to it the rest of your life, what would that band or singer be? How about that? Ah, boy, 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 that's really tough. George I don't George? know. 
No, no, no. That's tough. Um, That's so this is this is a common thing where my wife would be like, oh my God, did you just like hear that line or that lyric? And I'll be like, oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. Like there's music on, but I was I was thinking about other things. I wasn't I wasn't listening to the music. She's very much her mood will change with music and like, you know, I I'm it's background fodder to me. Wow. So so um I the only reason I bring this up is Rick's you you tweeted out the other day this great uh what 39 master mastery before the masters yes right correct self betterment yeah i'm i really into all that stuff too and uh, i heard a great podcast with and and i also bring this up cuz devin in the chat says i think people who don't listen to music are missing out on a lot of mood swing opportunities and oh. i think there are there is a realm of podcasts that can really swing your mood, but change your life in a way too. So I heard this one with a guy named Bob Proctor, who was a guest and he was absolutely fantastic. Uh, and I haven't, he was 85 years old. He reminds me of Lou Holtz. He's from Canada. His stories were fantastic. His wisdom was fantastic. And it, it literally changed my life. This is a week ago. I'm a different person on, I'm a different person this Monday than I was last Sunday. Wow. Well, Greg, um, I, I, Greg, real quick, I, I will listen to that, but here I am trying to engage in a musical conversation and you punctuate it with Bob Proctor, the 85 year old Canadian uh, talking about uh, what was it? Uh, he has, he's br absolutely brilliant. He was a big factor in the secret. Okay. So what he, what he does is he coaches people and and he, he, his company coaches people to get what they want in life out of life, right? So you fulfill your, your life through this. It sounds crazy, but basically the, the whole world operates on a law of vibration and every single thing in the world is moving at all times. Even this table, the, the camera we're looking at, they all, they all move. And, and so these vibrations are actually they're real and there are different frequencies so when you get on to negative frequencies you attract negative things when you get on to positive frequencies you attract positive things so an idea which, what you think about in your mind an idea is a, a frequency and when you when you're on the same frequency as these ideas you have them you, you write them down you say hey i, I want to have a million dollars if you can picture in your mind that you have a million dollars already, you you're emotionally engaged. So you have it emotionally, you have it spiritually, and it's only a matter of time before you have it physically. And it's it, uh, it, it sounds crazy. Is this a form of uh, manifesting things? Like didn't, didn't yes. Jim, didn't Jim Carrey like, you know, cut himself a check and date 10 years in advance for like 10 million bucks. They're, the stories are endless and they're, they're real. And it's uh, it's brilliant stuff. So it can kind of blow it can blow your mind. It, it feels like something that's taboo, but it only feels taboo because we don't understand it. Um, and hmm. and so I think it's it's something that I've started to study a little bit more, get more involved in. And I have always heard of this, and I've always been interested in it, but nobody has ever really connected with me the way Bob Proctor did. So uh, I'm sorry to bring up the 85 year old Canadian. Sorry to go on this tyrant, uh, this little tirade here. But 
now everybody thinks I'm crazy, but it works. And I recommend, I highly recommend listening. Well, you might change some lives, Greg. So it's definitely, well, that's the it's definitely worth it. Definitely worth it. Anything, uh, anything else before we get out of here? Any, uh, at this point, anything is on the table. It appears that Bob Proctor has uh, recently passed away. So I guess we, yeah. We did you that know that Greg? There. No, did that really happen? Three weeks yeah. ago, four weeks ago. It, yeah. I think it was actually during your like 10 minute soliloquy just moments <laughs> ago. Well, um, that's de- that is devastating. The world has lost a special man, but it it, it uh, what what he's done and accomplished lives on. He said in this podcast I listened to, if I if today was my last day, I'd be doing exactly what I'm doing now. There you Literally go, just helping people. That's awesome. So may he rest love that. Love that. Love that. Love that. All right, we will be back on Tuesday. For our mega preview pod, but we've recorded in the morning now. And actually, it's live. It's not even recording. So you have to get your pick in for the one and done before the show so that we can announce it on the show. So there's a link in the description right now. Make sure you go make your pick. Tuesday morning is the deadline. And then round by round recaps after that. Yeah, right? Deadline. Too soon. Just finished off a conversation. We have a new... We have a new... uh, a new commissioner in the league, and he's really strict on this kind of stuff. The window closes uh, Tuesday morning. Thank you. Sia Najad is available on Twitter at Sia Najad. Greg Ducharme is available at The Real GFD, and you can find me at Rick Rungood. It is producer Jacob who does all the hard work behind the scenes. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.